Francisco Lindor joins the 30-30 club and Kodai Senga racks up 200 strikeouts. We're talking milestones. Today's edition, Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans who are listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, some big-time milestones to discuss. Francisco Lindor getting to the 33rd club. We'll talk about his awesome season in the first segment. Second segment devoted to Kodai Senga, who closed off a great first year with the Mets uh, for himself as well. Then in the final segment, a little more off-season speculation. An MLB insider is also connecting the dots between the Mets and Juan Soto. So I'll explain what that's all about and why we should really start to take this seriously. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Download the Game Time app, create an account, Use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Well, Francisco Lindor had himself a massive day in the Mets' doubleheader against the Miami Marlins. Here's a guy that was sitting on 26 home runs for what felt like a couple of weeks. I'm not sure if it was exactly that, but we got you know the 26 home runs, 26 stolen bases, and he was knocking down those stolen bases, and that home run total just wasn't climbing gets to 27, and then all of a sudden in one day, it all happens for him. Francisco Lindor hit three home runs in this doubleheader. The first one in game one, part of three home runs the Mets hit in that game, a blowout victory as they won by a score of 11-2. to Pete Alonso hit his 46th of the season in the first inning, a two-run shot. Lindor in the third inning hit his home run, a two-run shot. And then Mark Vientos hit a two-run homer in the sixth inning, Came off the bat at 109 miles per hour. It's over 420 feet. And it marked the completion of one of my preseason predictions that the Mets rookies would hit 40 home runs between Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, and Mark Vientos. Alvarez really carried the team. But Vientos down the stretch has, when he hit that home run, it was his seventh in a span of 77 plate appearances. So he's really coming on strong. It's good to see. It's a lot of optimism now around Vientos heading into next season. But back to Lindor. He drove in two more runs in the seventh inning of that game. And then he turns around in game two. And the only two runs the Mets scored in the game they lost were home runs by Lindor. Two solo shots. So on the day, he goes four for seven with three home runs and six RBIs. He is now one of four Mets who have ever joined the 30-30 club. Stale Strawberry. It's Howard Johnson. David Wright, and now Francisco Lindor. And you look at what he's done on this season. He's played in 156 out of 157 games for the Mets. He has 33 doubles, 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases. While playing gold glove defense, I might add. I did a show a couple weeks back, you know, put some respect on Lindor's name. What else do you need to see to not be a hater of this guy anymore? He has been 
everything you asked for. Yes, did his first season start off great? No. But guess what? He still put up a four-win season in a down year where he missed time with injury. And over the last two seasons, he's been out there every day. He's been productive. He's hit his home runs. He's driven in his runs. He's now like four RBIs away from 100 RBIs on top of it. A mark that he never hit until last season in his career. And now he has a chance if he has a, a good close to this week, which this was a great start, every opportunity to get to 100 again. He has been fantastic at that shortstop position. And to illustrate that further, there has been five times in MLB history where a shortstop has had 30 home runs, 30 doubles, and 30 stolen bases. Lindor this year, Hanley Ramirez in 2008, so it hasn't happened in 15 years. Jimmy Rollins in 07, A-Rod in 98, Barry Larkin in 1996. Mike Mayer tweeted that out. Uh, he does great work over at Mets Marriage. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Mayer 22 Now, there's also been seven seasons in MLB history where a switch hitter has had the 30 home runs, 30 doubles, 30 stolen bases. Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Jimmy Rollins, Carlos Beltran, Jose Cruz, and Howard Johnson twice. Most seasons of 30-plus home runs by a shortstop in MLB history. A-Rod, seven. Ernie Banks, five. Francisco Lindor, four. Miguel Tejada, four. You don't get this type of production from a shortstop often, particularly one who's great defensively. And that leads to him being one of the most valuable players in all of baseball, worth every penny of that check he gets each week. He is worth it. He is the best shortstop in baseball. Corey Seager, sure. When he's healthy, he might be better. But how often has he been healthy in his career? Lindor gets that title and earns it because of being able to go out and play 160 games in a season, giving you great defense, and hitting 30 home runs in this year, stealing 30 bases, something he hadn't done in his career up to this point. Now, coming into the day-to-day, Wins above replacement for Lindor was at 5.4. And this tells you how valuable a player is, right? He was trailing Juan Soto, who was at 5.5, Bobby Witt at 5.6, Corbin Carroll at 5.7. Don't believe any of them played doubleheaders, and I would doubt that any of them hit three home runs. So there's every chance that he is going to jump all of those guys. That would take him from 12th best in F4 and push him all the way up to 9th. Even if he doesn't go past those guys, even if those guys had big days as well, he's going to be pushing up against a six F war season, if not get there with this monster doubleheader. Probably not get there. He'll, he'll be close. And by the end of the season, he very well could get there if he, again, has a good, strong you know, final game in this series and plays well against the Phillies over the weekend. Last year, Lindor was one of 15 players that were, you know, six win players that an F war over six. He was tied with Jose Altuve for the seventh best mark in baseball when it comes to wins above replacement at 6.6. That's worth a lot of money. Joe DeMeo of SNY tweeted this out using Fangraph's war uh, by dollar value measurement. So that's taking the war stat and putting a dollar value on it. The last three seasons for Lindor, according to, to DeMeo, he has been worth in 2021 $33.6 million. That was his down year. 2022, $52.7 million. And this year, and again, that's not including 
the massive day he just had, $43.3 million. There's every chance that he's pushing up against being a $50 million player again. Who's getting paid $34.4 million or $34.1 million? Francisco Lindor is absolutely a franchise player you can build around. And moving forward, that's not a question you have to ask yourself at shortstop for a very long time. And that's why it is still, as I broke down many a time in the past, the best investment that Steve Cohen has made since buying the New York Mets. Lindor has been exactly what you thought he was going to be when you traded for him. Just consistently a fantastic all-around shortstop. What a season from Lindor. Clearly, he has been the best player on the New York Mets this year, as he's paid to be. Anyway, another guy that hit a milestone, Kodai Senga, 200 strikeouts. I want to talk about his start. This was a great start in game one by Joey Lucchese. So we'll get to the starting pitching in this doubleheader next. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Have you ever been in the situation where you want to get tickets to the game, but finding them is too stressful, you decide not to go? Game Time is a fast and easy way to get tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have at the game. And this is your last chance, really. Mets with their last homestand. I looked at it in the ballpark today. A lot of empty seats. You go to game time, you're going to find some great deals. Get out to the ballpark. Enjoy a game now before you can't for months, okay? This is the time to do it. The game time guarantee means you'll always find the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seats before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. And you can snag tickets without the stress by downloading the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNMLB, and you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off, download Game Time today, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The New York Mets closed their series against the Miami Marlins at 7:10 Eastern Time tonight. Catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. And before we get to Kodai Senga, who was great once again, Joey Lucchese capped off what's turned into a really nice season for him. Now, granted, his numbers in AAA weren't great, but with the big league club, he finishes the year with nine starts and a 2.89 ERA. Uh, in three starts in September, he pitched to a 1.93 ERA. And in this game against the Marlins, he was scoreless through six. They sent him back out for the seventh inning because his pitch count was reasonable enough. He gave up two hits, an RBI double, and then that double ended up coming around to score. So he ends up with two earned runs on his ledger for six innings pitch. Didn't get it out in that seventh. But regardless, just really solid stuff from Lucchese. And you also found out uh, when he was talking to the media after the game that he got in a car accident the night before. And Woke up with a sore back, but really wanted to finish the season. And, you know, he really showed something down the stretch here. Uh, you, know, you you look at his last four starts. It was the three in September, like I said, 
with the sub two ERA. And even better, his one start in August, he went five and two thirds without allowing a run. So I don't look at Joey Lucchese and say, oh yeah, he just earned himself the fifth starter spot. But I think what Joey Lucchese and Jose Budo did over this final month of the season is they solidified 40-man roster spots. Okay, now the Mets have other prospects waiting in the wings. Uh, triple A with Mike Vassell, Double A with you know Blade Tidwell and Joander Suarez and Christian Scott, Tyler Stewart, a lot of guys that Dominic Hamill who can come up and factor in next season. And theoretically, the roster spots that would go to a Lucchese, to a Budo, to a Peterson, to McGill, they eventually might have to be given over to those type of guys at some point. But right now, I think you go into this winter and you know, all right, let's just call it starter depth five, six, seven, eight. I think you're comfortable going into the season knowing that between David Peterson, Tyler McGill, Joe Lucchese, and Jose Budo, you're going to be able to get some quality depth out of your rotation. Now, I still think they need to build out to four. And the one that you know for certain is going to give you frontline stuff is Kodai Senga. We'll get to him in a second. Then you have Jose Quintana, who's going to be in that first four. And the question is, do the Mets add two starting pitchers in free agency? Who are they? And how much will that raise the ceiling of the team and the floor of the team? So that's all conversation for the offseason. The good news is, even though Kodai Sanga actually after a start said he hopes that he's not the ace next year, he wants the Mets to go out and add aces in free agency so the team is better, which is another great quote from a guy who's proven to be a great clubhouse guy and just an overall awesome addition to the New York Mets. Kodai Senga, when it comes to the additions the Mets made, not just retaining their guys, but the new faces that were brought in, there is not a doubt that Kodai Senga was the best move of this offseason. The fact that he turned in this year where he ends with 29 starts, he got over 160 innings pitched, and he finishes with a 2.98 ERA, that's awesome stuff. And then he gets to the 200 strikeouts. That was something that we've been – sort of keeping an eye on down the stretch here. He needed six going into this start. And in the first three innings, he struck out half the guys he faced and got there. And then he added two more to it. So he goes five innings, gives up two solo home runs. Those are the runs that he allowed. Struck out eight, finishes the year with 202 strikeouts. And, and the funny thing is, here's a guy that all we were wondering is, could he be the rookie of the year? Because, you know, you went into the season and you thought with, Obviously, some great rookies like Corbin Carroll that were on the scene. Kodai Senga, as a veteran coming over from the NPB, had a good chance to put up a really nice year and be considered the rookie of the year. Now, Corbin Carroll has that award sewn up. He has, what, 30 home runs, 50 stolen bases? I know he got to 50. I'm not positive he got to 30. It might be 25 and 50. Regardless, that's worthy of you know winning the rookie of the year. But Senga's going to be runner-up. The, the thing about it is, no one talked about it being in the Cy Young conversation. I certainly didn't. Well, unless Justin Steele has a gem in his final start of the season, Kodai Senga might be the runner-up. I mean, Steele is sitting with a 3.06 ERA. I think the way things are lined up, he should start the final game of the season, which could be a moment where he could be pitching the Cubs into the playoffs. That might make him the runner-up. He might get more second-place votes. But Kodai Senga is going to finish in the top three. And you can really make the argument that he should be the runner-up. Now, 
He's not going to pass Blake Snell. Blake Snell is going to win the NL Cy Young. There's no doubt about that. But one of the two pitchers in the NL to have a sub-3 ERA, it's Snell and Senga. One of six pitchers in the National League with a strikeout per nine over 10. He's sitting at 10.93. One of three starters with the left on base percentage over 80%. So that's pretty straightforward. It's guys that you have on base, how many do you strand? To be over 80% is really impressive. He's one of three that did that in the National League. He's one of 10 pitchers in the NL who's given up less than a home run per nine, even after giving up two home runs in his final start. So again, I tell you, Kodai Senga is going to be the runner-up for the Rookie of the Year and probably the runner-up for the Cy Young, if not the third-place finisher. For a guy that's getting paid $15 million a season, now, you look at that opt-out after the 2025 season, and I said it when he signed the deal with the Mets. I thought that that was something that, unless he got injured, was going to get exercised. But you have him for two more years under a really affordable contract, and there's every chance that you could always amend that contract and you know, get him to sign a new deal at some point. But what Kodai Senga has brought to the Mets this year has been so impressive. And moving forward, again, it just makes you feel so much better going into an offseason that even though you traded Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, you have an ace. Sanga said he wants them to add more. Maybe that is his former national teammate in Yoshinobu Yamamoto. And then you have Yamamoto and Sanga. I hope that's the case. But if they go into next year with those two guys and Jose Quintana, and then let's just say they get I don't know. Some depth starter that's decent. Okay. Maybe it's you bring back Michael Waka. Um, no, but the, the point is you get somebody else that's in that Quintana tier, even if it's a step below it. And then you have all the depth that you've seen in these final months of the season with Lucchese, with Budo, with Peterson, McGill, and then the stuff coming in the wings with the prospects. I, I did a show on how the Mets pitching is better than people think. And I wholeheartedly believe that they have some really nice pitching moving forward. And David Stearns just got brought in to run this organization. He's known for being able to spearhead a pitching lab that will maximize pitching. And the Mets just launched their pitching lab in August. So yeah, I feel a lot better about where this franchise is going in the pitching department. And imagine if it didn't have Sanga, we would not have that level of confidence because as much as you can feel good about depth, Frontline guys are the most important thing, and they completely, 100% nailed that signing, and they have one in Kodai Senga. But the question is, are they going to add a superstar this offseason in Juan Soto? There was a little bit of a development there that I want to discuss in the final segment before we do. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better place to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You want to look to the future? They'll eventually have you know, some props out there for uh, you know where guys are going to land. Uh, and free agency. So if you want to bet on where Yamamoto is going to land, you might find that at FanDuel over time. But right now it is all about football. With your Jets playing the Chiefs primetime, 
you can bet on that game, whether you want to bet on the over or the under coming in, whether you want to just go against the Jets because you think there's no chance they're going to win. You can do all that at FanDuel. Visit at FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. New York Mets are playing the Miami Marlins at 710 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch in the Mets hometown broadcast with Sirius XM. The SXM app, just search Mets. I want to tell you all about my subtext for Locked On Mets. I had a lot of fun with this. This is a way that you can text me directly. You can find a link in the episode description today. Basically, it's a free trial. Come on. And I am sharing my own personal insights. So I'll send out texts to everyone who subscribed. And you can message me directly so we can go back and forth. I'm doing my best to respond to everybody that sends me a message over there because I really do appreciate those of you who subscribe. So I just wanted to make a note of that before we talk about Juan Soto. And I would love to subtext with all of you about this because this is a fascinating debate. Should the Mets make Juan Soto their priority this offseason, trade for him, and give him a massive contract? Jeff Passan following the same tea leaves that I did a couple days ago on this show, when you see the Padres potentially getting ready to shed payroll, the guy that is the most obvious fit to be moved is Juan Soto. year left before he hits free agency, they have not gotten a deal done on a contract yet. And at this point, if they're cutting payroll, how can they? Because Juan Soto probably going to make more money than everybody on their payroll, and their payroll is full of high-priced guys that are making north of $30 million. So Soto, who's going to make that in arbitration this year, is a guy that could be moved. And Jeff Passon was on a podcast, again, MLB Insider, and he said the following. The Mets are a scary possibility for Juan Soto, and I think the Mets are probably in a better position to offer prospects to go out and get him because I think Mets ownership has shown the aptitude and desire to sign guys like Soto long-term. You see how well the Lindor trade has worked out. You trade for a guy who has consistently performed atop the league. You give him the contract and you watch him go in year in and year out and produce. That's the type of guy you want to give the big contract to. And Juan Soto has been two things in his career that I absolutely love. He has been durable. He's been productive. That's something that you should spend your money on. And and I really think, it's something I'll probably talk about on the show tomorrow just because it's so juicy at this point with all these rumors that are out there. It's something we'll probably continue to talk about throughout the rest of the offseason. But seriously, who would you rather have, Juan Soto or Shohei Otani? It's amazing that the Mets are in this position where here we are at the end of a loss season and we get to have conversations as exciting as this one because Steve Cohen is just an incredible owner who opens all of these doors and possibilities. But Juan Soto is the type of talent that you can bank on getting on base at a 400 clip, hitting you know, over 25 home runs a season, driving in close to 100, and just being a consistent offensive threat. Very few hitters strike the fear when they step in the box that Juan Soto does. 
And that Soto shuffle that's so annoying to watch when it's, you know, your team going against him becomes something that you love as a Mets fan if they actually pull this off. The question is, what is the prospect capital to get him? And then what's the contract? But I, I almost think that when you compare the, you know, we'll do it tomorrow, the Soto Otani thing, but it's just really fascinating to me because I think both of them have the obvious draw of getting these kind of singular talents onto your team. But there's obvious blowback with both of them. There's there's downside to, to you know trading for, which is, I guess, the biggest downside on the Soto front. You know, I think if this was just a conversation about signing Juan Soto, there might not be any downside to it. And though Tani, there's the downside of, oh, yeah, is he ever going to pitch again? I mean, we think he is, but still. So, again, for all you everydayers, I really want to talk about that at length um, unless the Mets just thrill us with their final game against the Marlins. Uh, and, and, of course, we'll discuss that on tomorrow's show as well. Make sure you all follow, rate, and review wherever we get your podcasts. Again, I'm loving the, the Soto stuff. I'm loving the Otani stuff. If you want to text me about it directly, subtext in the episode description so you can do that as well. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. If you want to catch every pitch in the Mets hometown broadcast to close out this season, you can do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.